Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Very happy to be joined by Parney Parnell, who is the CEO of the Richmond Flying Squirrels in Richmond, Virginia, which I'll mention several times throughout the course of this podcast, was my home for about 10 years. I went to school, both graduate and undergraduate in the city of Richmond. It's one of my favorite cities, Parney, if I may call you Parney, Thank, sure. you for, thank you so much for being here. Well, when people call me my real name, I'm in trouble most of the time. So as long as you call me Parney, I'll know that I'm still in your good graces. Well, I actually used your real name uh, because I got it off the website in one of our email exchanges and you reprimanded me for it. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, good. it's good to be with you today and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Well, it's one of my favorite brands and it's, you know, I think it's important in minor league baseball because... It sort of it was it was early on in this era of the fun, wacky, superhero, cartoony wave of logos that we saw. It was 2010. The city of Richmond had just lost the Richmond Braves, who moved to Gwinnett to become the Gwinnett Braves, and they're now the Gwinnett Stripers. And so there was one lost season in 2009, and then in 2010, we learned that the Richmond Flying Squirrels were coming to town, and that was still at a time when people would hear a sort of wacky nickname and think, wow, what the heck is that? What's going on here? And so I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you because my, my, the premise, the whole premise of this podcast is that you can tell the story of America by understanding why minor league baseball teams are called what they're called. Why are the flying squirrels called the flying squirrels? Well, Lou DiBella, our managing owner, moved the team uh, in conjunction with minor league baseball in the Eastern League to Richmond in 2009, August, August of 2009 is when we arrived. When I say we, I mean uh, Chuck Domino uh, was the, the chief executive manager for Lou at the time, and he called me and brought me down there to start the team and, and uh, together. And we had we basically had three things we scribbled on a cocktail napkin, um, which, you know, if you've never, Paul, started anything from scratch, from nothing, uh, it's terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time, right? And the Richmond Braves have been in Richmond for 42 years, and uh, they were in the business of developing players for the Atlanta Braves, uh, and it was a lot about baseball. And I'm not saying that in a in a negative way at all. It's just a it's just a fact. Sure. Uh, we came to town, and uh, we wanted to be different in everything that we did. We wanted to be fun in everything we did, and we wanted to be impactful in everything we did. And, so as we begin to develop the brand, those were the three things that kept coming back all the time. How can you be different? How can you be fun? How can you, how can you be impactful? And that was really the foundation of everything. Uh, and and it, it wasn't without uh, its pitfalls. It wasn't without um, its stress uh, because at that time, it was so different, right? We had 15,000 names to choose from, 6,000 from the Richmond Times-Dispatch uh, newspaper. And then Darren Ravel at the time was at M MSNBC. And he called us and said he wanted to be involved. He got 9,000 names uh, on um, virtually uh, in like 24 hours. Wow. Uh, so when we came out with our six finalists and they were all crazy, uh, people wanted to run us out of town, um, <laughs> you know, but... But the, the, the answer to, I think, what your question was, because I'm rambling, was, was we wanted something that would really be different, fun, and impactful, 
And certainly when it got down to it, no team had ever been named the Flying Squirrels in the history of the universe. So that kind of hit all three, plus the impactful part. We knew that Flying Squirrels would gravitate towards kids, and then that that would help us make the impact for generations to come. So, well... There's guys, a couple different questions that you know. So many questions I have about this this brand. That, and a lot like to I said, unpack, huh, Paul? <laughs> it is a lot to unpack, and I love it. I love it. But you've you've tapped into something that is also something that I really just believe at my core that minor league baseball teams should have unique nicknames that they should not be named for their parent clubs. And so this feels like a case study in you know when the Richmond Braves left town. Part of the reason they left town was just a certain amount of apathy right like it was the you know, they were playing in the diamond which i know has been a subject of conversation in richmond for a long time and they were you know they were named for their parent clubs and that we like you say they were in the business of of developing ball players they were not in the business of being a part of the community when the flying squirrels came to town with this fun unique nickname that was richmond's team it didn't feel like richmond was a satellite of atlanta it felt like richmond had its own team. And I know the Flying Squirrels are a, a Giants affiliate, which made it even more so, right? Like the parent club is way the heck across the other, on the other side of the country. So you went from, you know, Richmond went from having a team that sort of felt like, okay, we're here to feed a bigger city, which sort of feeds this, I don't know, inferiority complex, I guess, of these smaller cities to having their own team that they could be proud of with this awesome brand. And so I guess I would just ask you that question, like the value to you as a, you know, someone intimately involved in minor league baseball teams. And I know that you are also, you mentioned the the president of the Montgomery Biscuits, which is a whole other awesome conversation to have at some point. But can you just speak to the value of having a unique team name for a minor league baseball team in a, in a city? In Richmond, Virginia, there's only, um, you know, two opportunities for people to walk around with a hometown brand on. Uh, certainly you, you, you went to the University of Richmond but, but that's not the same. I'm talking about a professional team. And sure. that, that is, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but that, no. that, is, that, that is the Richmond Flying Squirrels and the Richmond Kickers, the USL soccer team, right? I think it's the responsibility of a minor league baseball team. And now there's only 120 of them in the PBL system of Major League Baseball. Right. It's responsibility of that team to be unique to its community so that you can be fun every day. You can be different every day. You can be impactful every day. And the bond that the Flying Squirrels have built in Richmond, Virginia with that community is unlike anything I have ever seen. And I think a lot of it has to start with the name and the brand and the fact that it was so unique. Like there were some traditionalists that would like say really nasty things to, to us in public. Uh, and I would always say to them, we haven't thrown a pitch yet. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's January of 2010, right. February of 2010. We haven't thrown a pitch yet. Yeah. Just wait. Like we do know what we're doing. You might think we're idiots, but we do know what we're doing. <laughs> so just give us, give us a little bit of patience and you'll see. So what happened was they waited or most of them waited. And now when I give speeches and I give a bunch of speeches, uh, you know, probably close to 200 a year in the in 60 mile radius of Richmond. And I always say, how many people here didn't believe in the name and the brand when they saw it the first time? And probably 50% or more of the room will raise their hand. And I say, 
what you got now? Do you believe me now? <laughs> Raise your hand. And then they'll, you know, hundred percent of people, because they have seen that, 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 that name and that brand can do the three primary things that we wanted it to do, be fun, be different and be impactful. And, um, the spice, the spice that a unique brand brings to an organization, the pep and the step, the mojo, the swagger, that makes all the difference in the world, particularly when it comes, particularly when it comes to kids and young family. Like I, I remember one time uh, in the very beginning when, uh, when the, the Giants were getting ready to come, and I forget who it was, to Richmond for the first time. It, it might have been Brandon Crawford, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But it was somebody that ended up playing in the big leagues. But one of the reporters went to spring training for Richmond. And they said, "What do you think about being a flying squirrel?" Like yeah. kind of tongue in cheek, kind of giving right. us a little jab. And yeah. the player, and I do think it was Crawl, but I'm not sure, hundred percent. Said, "I think it's awesome. I can't wait to be a squirrel." Right. right. And and so you know, even the players get into it. You know, the whole have fun, go nuts, and. I think one of the things that's important for a brand and for a, for a logo is how many things spill out of that. Like our, our squirrel's primary logo, there's seven logos that spill out of that. Right. 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 And also the fact that it looks like geographically the, the, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yep. Um, you know, the, the way now a reporter asked me one time, Hey, in a press conference, he's like, Hey, Pony, you know, I just wanted to touch on the fact that, uh, your primary logo looks like the geography of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Like, yeah. like, was that something that you, and I'm like, well, you know, grandiose looked at this and that and everything. And I walked off stage. I'm like, holy hell, that looks like, the, <laughs> did you guys know that? Right. So, so sometimes you, sometimes you walk into it. And, yeah. And, yeah. You um, know, what's funny. I actually asked Jason Klein of, of from Brandios about that. And I said, did you guys do that on purpose? And he says, no, he says it was a complete accident, a complete happenstance. So, so it's funny well, that you those, brought that up. Those guys, I, we had so many conversations with those guys and like, I'm sure they got sick of me because I would look at something. I'd be like, throw it away and come <laughs> back, go party tonight, get your head in the right space and then yeah. come back tomorrow, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, they did great. And I, I think that, that building this brand really helped their company. Like it, this was one of the first ones that they ever really constructed the way they constructed it. And they do an amazing job. Like people don't know, they come into the community, they do focus sessions. They spend days incognito walking around towns, like yeah. seeing what people are doing in the towns or what's important to the town. So, yeah. I mean, it's not just slapping a logo on a hat, right? No. Like it's much, much deeper than that. Yeah. Well, and Jason is a regular guest on this podcast. You know, we've, we've talked recently about the iron pigs and the chihuahuas and, and normally I would bring Jason in to talk about this brand for the podcast, but I, the designer who's going to be represented this time is your in-house designer, Nick Elder, who created the Copa brand that you all have, the Ardias Voladoras. And so we'll, we'll uh, certainly talk about that next, but I wanted to ask you too, about the, the decision to make this, you know, once you settled on the flying squirrels as a, as a, as a logo, as a, as the team name, there was then this design decision to say, okay, now we're going to make this not just a flying squirrel, but he's going to be, the reason he's flying is because he's a superhero, not just because he's this, you know, specific, you know, species of, of rodent in, in Virginia. Right. So he's a, he's a superhero squirrel who is, you know, this, this awesome design. And I think that appeals i think it you know it appeals to kids for sure and certainly nutsy the mascot appeals to kids but i think there's a there's a a, 
regardless of the age, you know, there's there's a lot of people who love superhero characters out there even more now than probably in 2010. So the decision to make Nutsy a superhero rather than just a sort of menacing flying squirrel, what was that thinking? That kind of evolved over the course of the first year. And then we actually did a makeover of Nutsy after the first year to turn him more into a superhero okay. kind of thing and took kind of, he had a, initially he had like a menacing look and, and trying to connect to kids. That wasn't, we, we, we found out or figured out or observed that that really wasn't what we wanted. Uh, so that was around the time when um, Ty Pennington would do the extreme home makeovers. And that was like one of the most popular shows on TV. So we, we did that in an, in a, in the wintertime, which I'll use the word with you off season, even though there is no off season uh-huh. in minor league baseball anymore, there's just not. Sure. Um, Nutsy, Nutsy did an extreme makeover of the body. We even got some fitness places involved and some, some culinary places. So I, and I think that's an important thing. Like, even though the brand is the brand and you would just think that it's, it's the hat that's on your head right now, Paul, or, or it's the, the logo behind me at our house here is, is a logo that's on the wall. I think anytime you can get more people involved in your particular brand, like an extreme makeover or something, uh, that gives them ownership, right? And I think another reason that our brand was so popular is so many people um, tried to name the team, right? Like, like they wanted to be involved in the beginning. And I think that was the point when we had so many responses because teams do name the teams and, they, you know, we got 3,000, we got 2,000, we got we have 15,000. I remember saying to Chuck Domino, we're going to knock this baby out of the park, man. Like people are, <laughs> people are down with this. It's going to be yeah. great. And so I, I think that that's just, um, it's really important. But Nutsy, Nutsy being a superhero appeals not just to two-year-olds, but the 92-year-olds. Like, you want to see what a rock star looks like? Walk into anywhere in Richmond, Virginia with Nutsy. And I mean anywhere. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's nuts, right? Like, it is. Like, with so, a Z. So, yeah, with a Z. But, but I, so I think that that was something that you just, like, when, when you make your brand your brand, I think one of the other things is you have to, you have to adjust and you have to call audibles at the line of scrimmage, right? Right. And then you have to do other things like what's on your head right now. Like, like that, that was something that minor league baseball did with Copa de la Virgion. We wanted to be involved with it to connect to our Hispanic community, but Nick's talents is what made that brand kind of explode. And what I was particularly um, not surprised, but I'll use the word surprise uh, was the hipsters that it reached. <laughs> <laughs> right right and so there's a lot of little communities around richmond and you would walk in you would see you know the 20 30 something year old with an audius hat that you have on right now wearing their boots and their peg their peg jeans and their skinny <laughs> jeans and all that stuff it's just really important that brands connect and i think that that's it's way more than merchandise sales it's way more than people coming to the games it's when they become emotionally a part of you and that's what brands do like brands, brands and logos uh, invite people in to become a part of your family, so to speak. And I think the Squirrels brand and the Copa brand, the RDS Volvador's brand, was really connective for people. It was easy for them to connect to. Yeah, it certainly was, right? I mean, I, I had already left the city of Richmond by the time the Flying Squirrels came out, but I still, you know, obviously I 
you know, this episode for me is something of a sort of homecoming tour, right? Because I'm getting to revisit all things Richmond. And, you know, that ability to connect to this fun brand was absolutely part of, you know, what made it great for me when I, you know, I was sad that Richmond had lost minor league baseball because I felt like the city deserved minor league baseball. When they got a team and got a team of their own, that was that felt perfect to me. It felt perfect to me. And 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 now, I mean, you know, you talked about how uh, you know outrageous it seemed at first, and how you had to sort of explain to people like, give us a minute. The team's been around for 13 seasons. This is its 13th season coming up uh, this season. I think my math is right there. It's one of the elder statesmen, right? Like it's you know it's been around a long time, and it feels like one of the classics. Yeah, and I, I think another key to, to dive down even a little deeper into the ocean is is um, the brand, if chosen correctly, can become so much a part of your life that what happens is now after 13 years, um, you know, we've had players, two, two, to, two that I know of, that, that grew up in the Richmond area coming to Squirrels games that have played on our field, right, as Squirrels. We have visiting players come through all the time that grew up in the Richmond area as squirrels fans. We have an employee, one, one, one in particular, but there's a bunch that grew up in the Richmond area, but I was talking to Caroline Phipps, our promotion manager. She's like, look, when the squirrels came to town, I went to like 30 games the first year. Like I was in seventh grade. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, now I'm the promotions director of the squirrels. That's a big deal for me personally. So we're getting to the second generation now of squirrels fans, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, people like think about it. If someone was at VCU when we got here in 2010, they're now 35 years old, starting families, they're bringing their kids. And, and that's one of the cool things to watch, like being there from the very beginning when we answered the phone, Richmond Professional Baseball Club yeah. for the first five months uh, until we became the Flying Squirrels. And now um, the people that questioned the branding in the beginning, it's such a huge, huge part of living in Richmond, Virginia now that nobody ever questions it. In fact, in fact, instead of questioning it, they embrace it. So I'm going to get you out of here on one last question. Because this is sort of a homecoming tour for me, I just I'm going to I'm going to ask you and Nick and Samantha McCluskey, who does your social media, what is your favorite restaurant in the city of Richmond? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, my head is huge. So there's a lot there's a lot of a uh, lot of restaurants that I go to. <laughs> Um, and I really couldn't pick one uh, because right. so so many of my friends are uh, in the restaurant business. Uh, so I, I don't want to be put on the spot there, Paul. Uh, but <laughs> totally I will tell you, But I'll tell you this: if you go to Richmond, Virginia, and you don't find a locally owned restaurant that serves amazing food with amazing service, you just didn't try. Because, the food is really good. The, so it, it's such a wonderful town to live, work, and play. Uh, this might this might get me in trouble, but by far it's the best place I've ever lived. Uh, as far as things that you can do, like if you if you if you're bored in Richmond, then you get an F because you you weren't even trying, right? And it's such a good place whether you're 55 like I am or in your 20s like Nick and Sam are. Um, it's a it's a wonderful place to live because there's so much there for so many people. Uh, and I know you said that you're going to let me get away, but I got to say this. Uh, working with Nick Elder is like saying that you got to see Hank Aaron or Willie Mays play in the minor leagues or Cal Ripken. Like I, I, I look at Nick Elder every day and this, 
this kid is a superstar in the making and watching his talent and the way his brain works uh, and his office is right outside of mine. So he gets to hear a lot of crazy wild stuff <laughs> coming, out of, coming out of my mouth. Uh, but it's really been a joy for me personally as the old guy that's been doing this. Like Nick wasn't even born when I started this business 33 years ago. So that's truly one of the joys that I get. Uh, people like Nick watching them grow in this industry and watch them uh, watch their talents grow. So I know you talk you talk to him and I know he's going to be a big part of the show. So I wanted to make sure I, I said that. And we're also happy Sam's new, but we're happy to have Sam on board as well. Well, you know, like you say, Nick is coming up next on this podcast. He created the Ardias Voladoras hat that I'm wearing right now, which I absolutely love. I have a ton of Flying Squirrel stuff because I love the brand that, you know, so I have, this is my first uh, uh, Copa thing from the Flying Squirrels, but you're right, Richmond, it's got, it's got history, it's got great restaurants, and it's got a fantastic double A baseball team. So Parney Parnell, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking with me about the Flying Squirrels. This has been uh, really fun. And we're going to go talk to Nick now. Thank you very much, Paul. As we always say in Richmond, have fun. Go nuts. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>All right, everyone, we're back. I'm very happy now to be joined by Nick Elder, who is the in-house graphic designer or the creative services and production director for the Flying Squirrels. And most notably, Nick has created this awesome Copa de la Diversion logo for the Flying Squirrels, one of my favorites. Nick, I have to tell you, on, on National Hat Day, I bought a, I'm going to try this, Ardias Voladoras uh, cap from the Flying Squirrels because they had a they had a great deal on it. And I love the cap. I absolutely love that logo. And I just literally, right before we started recording, got the, the notification that it's out for delivery. Those three magic words, out for delivery. So uh, it's a terrific logo. But thank, first of all, just thank you for being here. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's uh, so cool to hear that you made that purchase. Well, you know, as, as I, I'm sure I've said by now, I, I have a connection to Richmond. I have a connection to the diamond. I went to school for both undergraduate and graduate school in the city of Richmond and the flying squirrels is one of my favorite brands, but the Copa de la Diversion brand that you all have is, is really fantastic. So first of all, what was your involvement with coming up with the name and the, the overall look of that brand? So I actually started out um, this project as a, a freelance job for the team uh, prior to my uh, moving to the team full time. Um, it was sort of like a get to know each other type of situation. Um, they were looking for someone to help develop the um, to help develop the Copa uh, identity that they're trying to go for certain style, and they had worked with uh, Brandios in the past, but um, wanted to sort of create something that was um, a little different, not necessarily in the vein of um, the uh, certain Brandios brands. So they reached out to me just to see, see what I could do. Um, I worked in Dayton previously and someone in Dayton knew uh, Ben and Parney here in Richmond. And, you know, it just um, sort of worked out that they uh, had me had me work on this. Awesome. So what sort of direction did you get from minor league baseball? Because there's, I think there's a there's an aesthetic that's sort of expected of a Copa brand. You know, I mean, not to say that they all look similar, but there are there are consistent elements, I think, to the Copa brands across minor league baseball. I, I guess we should explain, too, for the uninitiated, that the Copa de la Diversión is a program that minor league baseball has as an outreach to Spanish language baseball fans, uh, where minor league baseball teams take on Spanish language identities 
sometimes directly related to the team's nickname and sometimes a completely different identity. And so, you know, we've certainly talked about some of those on this podcast before. The Flying Squirrels basically just went with a direct translation of Flying Squirrels, but then you put a little bit of a different take on it with the Luchadore style, uh, you know, wrestler mask. So can you tell me sort of what that process was, taking the the Flying Squirrels brand and, and converting it to what you ultimately came up with? Yeah, for sure. Ultimately, um, from a promo perspective, uh, Anthony Opperman, who used to work with us as Squirrels, who was the director of uh, marketing and promotions and brand development, um, he recently moved to Texas to take a job outside of baseball. But his whole uh, philosophy and brand um, that he uh brand philosophy, I guess, yeah, that he created was always trying to reimagine what it means to be a flying squirrel, um, regardless of what the promotion is. So, you know, we've done things like rocket squirrel for a lunar landing night promotion, different things like that. And uh, we certainly wanted to do the same for the COPA program. So that's why we leaned more toward a direct translation at that time to sort of have flying squirrels be in that same vein of like, what does it mean to be flying a flying squirrel in, uh, the, uh, in the COPA uh, program or the initiative that we're trying to, to work with there? Um, we worked with some local um, partners, uh, Hispanic Chamber, other businesses that had specific outreaches to the Hispanic community here in Richmond. Um, you know, we're only a, a smaller front office staff, so we could, couldn't necessarily do a wide uh, market research study like we would want to. Um, so we leaned heavily on our business partnerships. Um, and fr from there, it was really just sort of trying to capture um, a different aesthetic from what people were used to for the normal Flying Squirrels Red. I uh, definitely wanted to stand out, uh, but also wanted to capture the uh, cultural elements, um, some cultural elements that would uh, help it stand out in Richmond and specifically um, be part of that uh, COPA branding and feel that minor league baseball is going for. And then did you have, ha have you had a much of a reaction from the Hispanic community in the city of Richmond? Yeah, it's been, it's been really great. Um, people have, um, I think, really gravitated toward it. The, it's, it was really kind of hard to gauge as I uh, joined after we initiated the program, but from what everyone else has said on staff, the, um, Hispanic Chamber and all of our partners that have uh, Hispanic um, outreaches um, have been have been really um, uh, positively impacted by it, and they've noticed some some great response to the program overall. And it, you know, it's not just um, a rebranding; it's you know, there's we have certain reading programs that go along with it. Um, so it, it's it's deeper than just uh, the superficial nature of it. So it's it's had definitely had a positive impact thus far. Awesome. So this was a, a freelance project for you. And then you came on uh, full time with the team. I think very often it's very, it's easy when you're writing about a logo or when you're talking about a logo, if it's not created by one of the sort of outside firms, it's real easy to say, oh, this was done in-house. And then you just sort of move on from that. And there's a certain anonymity to being the in-house graphic designer for, for a team. So first of all, I'm very happy Nick Elder to put a name with the the face of the of the in-house designer. You know, as a designer who is creating things, do you have a reaction when you see, oh, this was created in-house, but your your name is not associated with it? I'm someone personally who likes to stay in the background a little bit more. So I kind of enjoy creating things and then just like being able to step back and see people's reactions and to see how it impacts them. 
so it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, it bothers my parents probably more than anyone. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're probably um, more concerned whenever um, it just says in-house designer. But yeah. personally, I don't really have a huge issue with it. But stepping into someone else's brand is certainly part of the job. Um, and then being able to craft your own brands that cohesively go together with the already established um, brand hierarchy and um, branding elements. But, you know, I've been here since 2018 now. And so you just, gr you grow together with the brand and the development and slowly but surely um, you can craft it in your own image and push it forward. Uh, you certainly want to build on what's been, po what has been positively established, uh, maybe trim away some of the things that weren't as effective and you know, always just try to grow and um, achieve the best that you can with it. Sure. In terms of the Copa brand that you created, did you do any research on, you know, the luchador on, you know, the, the, the wrestling culture that that logo is based on? Yeah. So we um, certainly did. I am, um, like I said, from Cincinnati. So I'm kind of unfamiliar with uh, the whole culture. So learning about the whole masked um, culture and the the TV shows and the Blue Demon and just some of the other uh, wrestlers that were were and are still famous in the, the luchador ethos uh, or mythos um, was certainly uh, eye opening and um, something that uh, we definitely wanted to draw on. Specifically, I believe it was Marty Steele who now actually works for the uh, Charlotte Knights, but it was Marty. Anthony and Ben, we're all in an email chain, sort of brainstorming. And Marty sends a picture of a squirrel in a wrestling costume. And he's like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if like we could make Nutsy into like this luchador legend? And I was like, yeah, I really like that idea. Let's see what we can run with that. Um, and so sort of transitioning Nutsy's hero mask, superhero mask or his cowl into more of a luchador mysterious um, mask to sort of capture that hero mysterious element and transition that into like the hero aspect of the luchador culture, as opposed to the superhero aspect that um, Nazi is sort of um, representing. Sure. Absolutely. And, and then speaking of the luchador, I mean, you've, in, in your opinion, who would win a fight between your mask and the Sacramento river cats luchador masks? Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> there, theirs is certainly cool too. Our DS Voladores can fly, so maybe we would have the upper upper hand there. Glide, I guess. So yeah, you know, certainly could uh, bounce off the the ropes and uh, certainly uh, cause some havoc from there. So I, I nice. guess I would lean toward ours. Nice. Well, you know, I think and I think you have to. You've lived in Richmond a few years now. Have you seen a flying squirrel in the wild? Have you been walking around uh, and, and actually seen a flying squirrel? I have not seen a flying squirrel in person out in the wild um, yet here in Richmond. Uh, um, if, if you drive a, a, a little bit south into North Carolina, you'll see a bunch of signs that say flying squirrels, um, which really threw me off the first time I went down there. I was like, flying squirrels, we're all the way down here. But it's actually the, they have a large population um, down there, but they are in the region. It's just, I haven't seen them uh, firsthand yet. Yeah, well. Like I said, I lived there for 10 years. And when I saw flying squirrels, I was like, that's a cool name, but I'm not sure I ever saw a flying squirrel. Of course, you know, I lived in the fan in Richmond, so it wasn't exactly like a, a, a nature wonderland there. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So I'm going to ask you and Parney and uh, Samantha all this question because I, I miss Richmond and I liked being there for, for 10 years of my life. 
what's your favorite restaurant in town? Um, I, I'm a I'm a little fan of the um, hole hole in the wall holes holes in the wall. I guess you could say. Um, you know, we partner with a lot of great restaurants, but uh, Kitchen Sixty Four, um, Continental, and um, Stella's is always good. But um, the the little local establishments um, are uh, what I think are the best. Also, right. within walking distance of the diamond is is a plus. So, yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, is Strawberry Street Cafe still there? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was like the classic like first date place was Strawberry Street Cafe. So okay, all right. Well, Nick, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. This was this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I can't wait to get back. I mean, literally, the last time I saw a game at the Diamond was the God like the the late nineties Richmond Braves. So it was, uh, it was a shock to me when the Richmond Braves moved to Gwinnett, but then as a Phillies fan, I was much happier to see another team's affiliate move into, uh, into Richmond and play in the diamond. So uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll have to have you out. Uh, well, I can't wait to get back. I mean, I love to get to the city of Richmond just because it was a big part of my life and I can't wait for, to, to get home from work today and check the mail and get my Ardias Voladuras. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm working on it. I am. I'm really working on it. But uh, it's a it's a terrific brand. I love the Copa program, and this this logo and this cap in particular is one of, of one of my favorites. Oh, I have one. I have one more question to ask you. I'm sorry. I I collect ice cream helmets, I, and I have two. I have a red and a black Richmond Flying Squirrels helmet. Are they going to do the the Copa brand on a helmet? You no, know, I'll have to touch base with Steve on that, uh, director of food and beverage. Um, I, I could certainly see the desire for that. So I will uh, drop him a little note that says uh, that could be a successful uh, endeavor for us here in 2022. It's such a great logo. It belongs on a helmet. Please register my vote in favor of an RDS Voladoras ice cream helmet uh, with all of your folks there on staff. All right. Yeah, I, I'll do that. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate your time and uh, best of luck getting ready for the upcoming season. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm very happy now to be joined by the face, or I guess if you're listening to this podcast, the voice behind the Richmond Flying Squirrels social media presence, which is such a, a difficult and thankless job sometimes. And so I'm very happy to be joined by Samantha McCloskey. Thank, thank you, Sam, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, we really appreciate, obviously, you and everyone else in the minor league baseball community, and it's really exciting to be here. That's been a really fun thing for me, discovering this minor league baseball community, right? Like when I, uh, the original, the reason my uh, Twitter handle is count to baseball is because I, it, it was actually just meant to be an account where I counted down the days until spring training started. And, and then for whatever reason, I got into the, like the helmet Sundays and started collecting that. And like, one of the things that I've discovered is what, you know, as you describe it, this minor league baseball community as the the voice of the flying squirrels on on Twitter and on social media, you get to be part of that community, but sort of not as yourself as the as the face of an organization instead. So what are the challenges of representing an entire baseball team to this minor league community? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The hardest part, I guess, just every single time I compose a tweet, every single time you answer a comment or anything you have to think like not how yourself would answer it um but how the flying squirrels would answer it and just 
creating that brand community and that brand authenticity through every single thing that you're putting out because we are the face of the flying squirrels like to the community when baseball season isn't happening they don't see us except for on social media and in the you know on the news stations and things like that so every single thing we have to put out has to be exactly what the flying squirrels brand encompasses um and i can't call someone out for being a jerk <laughs> <laughs> that's the hardest thing right like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. um so so how would you describe you know this i mean obviously like the the logo itself and we've been talking about both the uh, the Flying Squirrels brand that was created by Brandios back in 2010. And then, you know, Nick and I just talked about his Ardias Voladoras. I'm getting better at saying that. It's not great. <laughs> I know it's not great. It's a um, bit of a mouthful. It is, but it's such a great, I mean, I love that brand so much. And I love the new, the new cap that when I talked to Nick yesterday, I didn't have it. And now I'm talking to you and it arrived in that intervening time. So the question was, this is me with the long questions again. I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> What is, you know, what are the characteristics of the voice of the flying squirrels that you're trying to portray out there in the world? Like, what what is this personality, you know, that you're charged with conveying to this minor league baseball Twitter community? Absolutely. Um, our slogan, I guess, if you will, is have fun, go nuts. And every single thing we put out is squirrely and mischievous and funny and a little crazy. And we try to be as unpredictable as possible. Parney, our COO, says, like, the worst thing you can be is stale. Like, do not give me anything that has been done before. Don't give me anything that, you know, just because we did it in the past doesn't mean it's good now. Um, be fresh, be new, be creative. And he's always pushing us to just have fun and go nuts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, for sure. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard not to with nutsy the squirrel, right? <laughs> like how did you, Samantha, not you, the flying squirrels, how did you get into social media as a profession? I don't want to say I fell into it, but I kind of did. I, without the long backstory, my career path didn't pan out the way it was I planned it to be, I was supposed to be in the air force at this point, like oh. without the long story. Um, and I had to pivot and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Sure. And I applied to be the intern for the Peoria chiefs. I worked for um, Jason Mott and Nathan Beliva out there and they're amazing. And I ran their social media until COVID hit. <laughs> of course. Um, and then after that, I, kind of worked freelance in social media, did some freelance marketing stuff to kind of get through COVID. And I went back to school and I got my master's degree in marketing. And now I tweet for a living and it's great. <laughs> it is great. It's well, and it's, it's one of those things that I think people think until they actually are charged with doing it professionally, like people think like, ah, social media, that's easy. And like, there's this sort of derisive, like, oh, the social media intern did this, this, and this. And it's like, it's hard work. It's hard work, mm -hmm. you know, having a creative, consistent online presence. I know that, you know, a, a big part of the conversation in this minor league baseball community, th they love interacting with the teams themselves, right? And if, if you do it poorly, people notice. And mm -hmm. if you do it well, sometimes I think people sort of take it for granted. And so this is what I mean when I say it's sort of thankless and you know and you have to deal with jerks and so i guess you know my other this long question that i'm leading up to here is i see this all the time on on social media accounts for minor league baseball uh, you know the fans 
want to change in the lineup. They want to know if what the weather is <laughs> going to be. There's like a, a whole like list, laundry list of things that you can tell drive social media coordinators crazy. <laughs> do you have do you have a couple of uh, pet peeves that uh, are high on your list? I just think it's so funny that people think that like the person running this account has control over these things. Like I'm not an intern and I will say, I think it's great that the Flying Squirrels as an organization don't put social media in an intern's hands. Not that I think it's a bad thing because I think it's a great jumping off point for a career. But I also think it is the face of your organization and to put it into the hands of someone you entrust. Um, But especially these interns who've been with like an account for a month and they're getting, you know, all these kinds of comments like, oh, we fired the head coach. It's like, well, we don't have control over these things. Our big thing right now is we're in the process of getting a new stadium, hopefully crossing all fingers, toes, arms and the rest. But we have basically zero control over that because it's all run by the city. Yeah. Every single time I post a picture of the stadium, tear it down. We're sick of it take the graffiti off of it we have like a street art competition here a couple years ago yeah um because street art is so um embedded in the cultural aspect of richmond yeah and so we have these really awesome like street art pieces on our stadium and people are like take the graffiti off i'm like (laughs) it's supposed to be this fun thing we're trying to make our stadium as like beautiful as we possibly can it was built in like the 80s i think it reminds you of veteran stadium it's this concrete like slab um so so we do the best we can with it but we are in the process of getting a new one and everyone just loves to talk about the new stadium (laughs) this is this is huge news to me right because this this process of getting a new stadium is something that's been in process Mm -hmm. for a long time (laughs) we've talked in the past i lived in richmond for 10 years when I, i went to the university of richmond graduated in 1995 and then went to vcu for a grad school and back then this the new stadium was like a big deal right like mm-hmm. this what's this new stadium going to be where is it going to be they were talking about building one down in like Shaco bottom for a while yep. and so is the where's the new stadium going to be is it going to be on the same site as the current one or that or? is the proposed plan okay um, is that it will be in this like diamond district they're calling it sort of yeah. area so vcu will have their own facility and we would have our own facility that's in the proposed plans obviously nothing's gone through we're still in very early stages yeah of all of that but it is exciting um i had a guy dm me and say that you know i need to talk to lou Debella, who's our owner <laughs> And we need to educate our fans on independent baseball and start an educational campaign because if we don't get a stadium, we're going to have to be independent baseball team. And and you've, you've (laughs) got to deal with these direct messages, right? Like, of course. And the whole time I'm like, oh, I'll talk to someone. Thanks for your suggestion. Uh Like, I really uh appreciate it. The whole time I'm like, oh, sweet Lord. (laughs) Well, I used to work for WWBT Channel 12, the news station there in Richmond. And one of my jobs as a college student working at the TV news station was to answer phone calls. And we used to just get the most insane phone calls from people. (laughs) And so I'm sure now you're just dealing with the 21st century version of that, right? Like it's it's so funny. It really is. (laughs) Some of the emails I also run or run, I guess, man are like info at flying squirrelsbaseball.com. Okay. That's um, part of my job. And the messages we get are just... So I, I got a message once it had no subject line and it yeah. had no body it just said sent from iphone oh no i'm like what do i, <laughs> that was what the do, whole I do with this i have no idea it was the whole email <laughs> you should have just responded and said sent from my office yeah <laughs> 
um so in terms of you know in terms of the flying squirrels and the um and and the social media presence that the that the squirrels have you know first of all you showed up you the flying squirrels and you samantha showed up on our uh first installment <laughs> of dad hat by design the live show that, that ed rivera and i do weekly and that was really fun like it was a thrill for people to see you know a a, a branded blue check mark right the blue check mark mm -hmm. yeah absolutely account show up on this thing and be part of the conversation so the flip side of this is there's this thrill for people right like i mean you get the annoying yeah. stuff and everyone always deals with annoying stuff but there's this sort of thrill for oh, people I'm sorry no that's okay yeah it's busy there right that's all right i live in groups land so yeah. all the group sales people work in like my little area so of course it's like you know it's, just, it's, it's like we're having this conversation in a train station i don't yeah. mind you know? it's just sorry. Like some some chatter going on in the background it's all right this is this is real life right here but the the flip side of that is people can have you know they have this this experience where like they're, they're interacting with the the blue check mark the verified account of a real baseball team and so then there's that responsibility on your shoulders of saying like okay like i've got to represent this this experience that is sort of a, a charge for people when they get a response from us or they get a like from us or a retweet that responsibility of you know, being this sort of elevated Twitter account that people really enjoy interacting with, you know, that represents an entire baseball team. That's a big responsibility for you as well. Yeah, I think one of my like biggest goals when I came to the Flying Squirrels was to make us not to say that we weren't before because I think the account was fairly, um, but as accessible as possible to our mm -hmm. fans. Mm -hmm especially in the off season, because like I said, we are the face, our social media is what they see in the off season. There is no flying squirrels baseball happening. Right. Um, but people like we are only here because of our fans and we yeah. appreciate them and we love Richmond. We are like very connected to our community. And that is one of our goals as a organization to be ingrained within our community. I think Nutsy goes to about 600 appearances a year wow. outside of like baseball games. So he's averaging like more than two a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If you like math that out sometimes um, he's great. We partner with a whole bunch of like charities and different local organizations. And we really try to be as accessible to the people as possible outside of our social media and bringing that onto our social media as well. It's just part of our brand. Um, so I, I answer every single DM, like even if it's something I don't really want to answer, I always answer it. I respond or like to like every comment as much as possible, just making ourselves like as accessible to our fans as possible because like that they're the reason that we're here. Well, and people notice that, right? And people notice that and people talk about how that's very much the difference between a major league team that, you know, to be mm -hmm. honest, probably can't do that. And, and a minor league team that goes out of its way to do that that there's a huge difference and there are minor league teams that don't do that. And I, and I think that that's, people notice that and people notice, I mean, I'll, I'll say most of my national hat day purchases were from teams that I had probably been interacting with on social media some, and then, you know, that's, you know, that's a purely mercenary way of looking at it. Sure. <laughs> but like, you know, that's, it's a big part of the the conversation. So, so that's the, the flying squirrels and that social media we've talked about the fact that I was in, in Richmond. So I want to, I want to make sure I get this from, from you and, and Nick and Parney. What is your favorite restaurant in Richmond? Okay. So I just moved here. Okay. Not okay. that long ago. I haven't had a chance to try very many, Okay, um, but I have a list going. 
and there are like a whole bunch of restaurants I want to try. My boss, Trey Wilson, is our um, director of media relations and communications. He took me on my first day to this place, lunch, supper, and I got this like bowl and it had like a fried egg and hot sauce and potatoes and I think like brisket or something, just like this really good heart attack ridden <laughs> bowl of awesomeness. Um, I've, that's I don't about know that one. all I've been able to try, honestly. Like that. I had a burger from Bovine, which is up the street from my apartment, okay. which is like a bougie burger, I would say, okay. which is pretty good. Okay. But okay. I think lunch supper probably takes the cake right now. All right. Those are those are all ones that sounds like they've popped up since I last was in Richmond. So I'm not not familiar with those. But, you know, bottoms up pizza was sort of the, the big pizza joint when I'll I was there. I'll have to add it. I'll have to look it up, add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, it's down there like by the like the flood zone, which could okay. be gone. I think it was actually destroyed by a flood. I don't know. But I saw the Dave Matthews band for three dollars at the flood zone when I was in college. So that was no way. Yes. So I may That's be uh, dating myself a little bit. Here. <laughs> this this flying squirrels, the series of flying squirrels interviews has been like a trip down memory lane for me here because my very first press credential was to a Richmond Braves game. And that was back in the days when Andrew Jones was coming up through the system and I got to yeah. see Chipper Jones. And so so I go, my days of Richmond go way, way back, but uh, you know, it is, it has been sort of a fun trip down memory lane for me here. My last thing I wanted to say, and, and our people from Philadelphia will recognize your accent, especially <laughs> it came out really like when you said COVID, <laughs> this is totally, uh, <laughs> we're both Phillies fans. So I can, I can end this interview by, first of all, thank you for being here and saying, go squirrels, go nuts and Have go fills. Go nuts, go fills. Go <laughs> I will say my accent everyone kind of makes fun of it because I'm from Delco. I yeah. grew up in Delco, have, mm -hmm. grew up with that thick Delco water accent. Yeah, and then I moved to West Texas. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> so I incorporated a little twang and then I just moved back from England. I got my master's in England. So everyone wow. kind of makes, like I have this weird, who knows what in the world is going on it's, accent at this point. <laughs> it's a whole aggregate and it's, I love it so much. And I'll finish with this story. And I'll probably just leave this in the podcast because it's one that makes me laugh so much. I love it so much. We were at Ocean City, New Jersey. I grew up in Delco as well, Wayne, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but we were at the Jersey Shore in Ocean City. We take my my family there every summer. And because, you know, I live in Colorado now, but I want them to have the shore experience. I want them to love the ocean like I do. So we were, you know, if there's if there's sort of a, an incident at one beach, they'll pull the lifeguards off the other beaches and send them down there to sort of check it out. And the lifeguards will pull everyone out of the ocean and say, you know, you hang here because I got to go down to this, you know, beach two blocks down or whatever. So there was this big crowd gathered around the lifeguard stand where all everyone had been pulled out of out of the water because there was no lifeguard. And this kid, like 11, 12 years old, is sitting there just sort of like, holding court and he's just sort of looking around and he announces to everyone he goes there are sharks in the water do not go <laughs> in the water you will be killed instantly if you go in the water <laughs> so i i have been saying that you will be killed instantly if you go in the water like non-stop <laughs> since, since then. so so i enjoy your accent with all of its component parts i enjoy the the i love the work that you're doing for the flying squirrels and it's a pleasure to meet you and go squirrels, go Phils. So nice to meet you. Have fun, go nuts. <laughs> Have fun, go nuts. Hang on everyone. 
hang on. It's time for the surprise Marvel-style post-credit sequence. I'm very happy to be joined by Kristen Miller, who is the Visitor Experience Director for Virginia State Parks. Kristen, I have asked you to come on to talk about flying squirrels. You're familiar, obviously, with the Richmond Flying Squirrels, the uh, AA baseball team in Richmond, Virginia. You work for Virginia State Parks, and so you you are my subject matter expert here on 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 flying squirrels. So first of all, I just want to confirm because I as you know as I've mentioned a couple of times, I lived in Richmond for a while. I lived in the fan in the city of Richmond, so I didn't see a ton of flying squirrels. So can you tell me, are there flying squirrels in in Virginia and in and around Richmond? Yes, in fact, there are flying squirrels in Virginia. Uh, and they would live in Richmond. They do prefer larger, older trees, which Richmond, as you know, is absolutely full of. You probably didn't see them too often because they come out at night. Okay. And I was usually in bed by like nine o'clock, right? Like I was the, nerd, <laughs> the nerdiest of nerds in college. Are there, so are there attributes and, and you can see, uh, you're probably familiar with the logo. I'm wearing the logo on my sweatshirt right now. Absolutely, he, yes. He's a little superhero guy. What is it about the flying squirrel that you think that would make him a, a good mascot for a team or maybe a good like little baseball guy? Well, from my perspective, they are absolutely excellent animal athletes. Um, they are they are strong and they are fearless. And as you know, they they don't actually fly. The only mammal that can fly is the bat, but they do glide. Can you tell me how far the average baseball can be hit? Well, in the uh, post steroid era, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say the 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 biggest masher of of home run hitters are hitting the ball 450 to 500 feet. Okay, well, the average or a, a flying squirrel can actually glide up to about 300 feet, so they're getting pretty close there to the best. Probably they are around what an average baseball player can hit. Right, certainly farther than I can hit a baseball. That's for sure. <laughs> So well, rather like a, a baseball player that when they, they hit that ball and they run to the base and they make those sharp turns, um, a flying squirrel can actually make about a 180 degree turn in the air. No kidding. You yep. still got to touch the base though, rounding the base. So, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what kind of, what kind of species of flying squirrel exist in Virginia? We have two different ones here. Uh, we have the Southern flying squirrel, which is the, the most common, and it's across a big part of the U.S., and those are the ones here in Richmond that you're going to see. Uh, another type of species that we have in Virginia is the northern flying squirrel, and that is actually on the endangered species list. They're found in very small pockets out in the southwest Virginia area. You know, what's the prognosis here? What can we do to be conserving the, uh, the northern flying squirrel? Well, I am glad you asked that. One of the best things that we can do for conservation for the Northern Flying Squirrel is to help to protect the old growth forest that they call home. Uh, they're only found out in the far Southwest Virginia. They're up in higher elevations. They're in little parts of West Virginia and Carolina as well. Um, and they, uh, they can trace their roots back to the last ice age actually. Uh, during that time, the ice sheets covered much of North America. Northern North America, forcing those cold climate plants and animals further south. As the temperature warmed and ice sheets receded, those cold climate species migrated north. And some found refuge in the high cold peaks of the Southern Appalachians. Over thousands of years, these isolated mountaintop populations became increasingly distinct in a process that gave rise to the Northern flying squirrel that we're talking about. 
um, that actually it's specifically the Carolina or sometimes called the Virginia Northern Flying Squirrel. All right. And protecting those spaces is really, really important. Absolutely. Well, and that's something that Virginia State Parks is is efforting to do here. It's, uh, uh, you know, I, in my time in, in Richmond, I always loved getting out to the to the state parks. So are, are there uh, particular state parks where, you know, someone might go to see uh, either of these species of, of flying squirrels? And, and can you see them? You know, like you said, they're nocturnal. So can you see them mm-hmm. when you visit the state parks? You can. So what my recommendation is, if you really want to see the flying squirrels, of course, our, our gray squirrels that we have all over the place, you're going to have them on your picnic table eating your food. The, the northern or the southern flying squirrels that you can find in, in most of Virginia and most of Virginia state parks, it is going to be really rare. So find yourself a piece of forest that has the big oaks and, and hickories. Go out at night, shine your flashlight up because they're nocturnal animals. So you should be able to see ice, eye shine. And then one really cool fun fact, if you happen to have an ultraviolet light, they can actually fluoresce um, and kind of glow a little bit of uh, a little bit pink. No kidding. I I think that the, the team, the flying squirrels, may have incorporated a little bit of that into the uh, into the uniform with this sort of red and black thing they have going on here. So <laughs> now I assume you haven't seen any of them actually wearing superhero costumes in in your state parks. No, but they have their capes attached. that's perfect (laughs) now i feel like i need to get back to virginia and visit some state parks and bring my flashlight and see some of these these awesome little critters who can fly 300 feet this is something new i learned today a a flying squirrel can can (laughs) can glide for 300 feet and and then another place obviously you can see flying squirrels is at the diamond in richmond virginia at 3001 north arthur ash boulevard i have to ask you Kristen, have you seen the flying squirrels themselves at the diamond in richmond absolutely we love going it is a very affordable evening out it is a lot of fun we'll go sometimes my husband and i will go for date night sometimes we'll take our family and sometimes we go with friends but it's just something about sitting out in that virginia sun drinking an ice cold beer eating some food and watching the game. It, it, it's its just a wonderful way to spend a, a, an evening. I absolutely agree. I've been to the Diamond a number of times way back in the day, as I've said already on this podcast, when they were the Richmond Braves before the Braves moved to Gwinnett and then now, now the Gwinnett Stripers. So yeah, that, I love I love going to the Diamond. I can't wait to get back there for an actual Flying Squirrels game because that, that feels like an omission on my, on my list. So... Kristen, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Where can people follow Virginia State Parks online? Uh, VirginiaStateParks.com. Perfect. Thanks, Kristen. You're welcome. <laughs>